You're listening to Security Speaking, the SSI podcast. Good day. Happy to be joined by John Loud today. There is exciting news for the industry coming out of Georgia, and John's here to explain. John, take it away. Rodney, thank you so much for uh, connecting with me. Uh, certainly absolutely elated, excited, and lots of lack of sleep after last night uh, in Georgia. We have 40 legislative days. So last night was our 40th legislative day. And uh, with a great partnership with uh, Holly and the ADT security team reaching out several months ago about an idea about trying to get a false alarm ordinance to no longer allow municipalities, cities, counties to assess fines to alarm monitoring facilities, alarm companies, and really put the responsibility where we all know and all your listeners know it should be, and that is ultimately in the subscribers or the, uh, the alarm subscribers hand, whether it be a business or a home. And I'm elated to share with you that we got it through the house, got sent over to the Senate, one little tweak got sent back to the house. And last night we got that passed. Uh, and what happens here from the state of Georgia and have been in communication with our governor, Governor Kemp, uh, there will be a signing here in the next few weeks. Not sure they're trying to figure out all the bills they've done in Georgia, if it does not actually get signed by the governor within a 45 day window, uh, then on that 45th or 46th day, it actually becomes a state law, which means that Sandy Springs, Brookhaven, those are the only two in our state that actually assess fines to the alarm companies and monitoring facilities. Um, the big celebration for us is not only did we prevent the spread of that throughout Georgia, but I think for all of us across the nation and other places to be able to realize the example of what Sandy Springs was trying to do that we all united working so closely with Stan Martin, SEAC, the amazing team there with the dollars we all contributed to deal with from a legality standpoint, ultimately just about going up to the Supreme Court, we've successfully got a law passed that uh, is for all jurisdictions, city and county municipalities that they're not allowed to do that. So it's a great day in Georgia. And I think it's a great day for all of us in the industry across the nation, Rodney. So this ends a years-long battle with, with Sandy Springs, as you said, John. You mentioned Holly. That's Holly Borgman at ADT. She plays an industry relations role. Just some quick background on the effort once Sandy Springs uh, was enacted. Give us a little background on the industry uh, relations that took part in leading to today. I'll give you a quick version. So really the thing backs up to 2005 where we actually had a model ordinance built with SEAC partnership, Glenn Mowry, who's been amazing, came in, got a lot of our alarm industry and manufacturers. We got our model working. The city of Sandy Springs came into existence in 2012 and Glenn had a great relationship with the chief. We all sat down, got them on board with our model ordinance in 2012. And then it wasn't until just a few years back now that they decided they wanted to make a change and have zero false dispatches. They didn't want to go to non-response because then, of course, the elected officials look bad. So they wanted to kind of put it onto the burden of the alarm industry. And what they did is created a fine structure that for the first false alarm, it was $250. For the second false alarm, it was $500. And uh, if you did not do enhanced call verification, which is our state law, you also had an additional $250 fine. If you did not have the alarm person registered, that was a $100 fine. If you did not pay your fee, they went to non-dispatch for you as a company. So it's not just about one subscriber, it's if you don't pay one fee, your entire company is non-dispatch. And sadly, they actually published out in the paper at one time, the top 10 offenders 
of the alarm companies that actually had not paid fees. So really told the, the burglary nation, if you will, that if you want to come to Sandy Springs and you see these yard signs, then go right ahead and break in because they're not doing any dispatch. So uh, wow. a lot of seats at the table to try to modify and work together. And I'll share this with you on it. In five examples in that model ordinance said they were not even following on their own, that if they had actually done that, they would have had significant benefits, but they weren't working to do that. It was about a money situation. And they were trying to show that the burden was really to the alarm companies. The way they looked at it, and this is important for your listeners to know, the way the chief of police justified what he was doing is that even though we would call our subscriber, when we would call police, non-dispatch, you know, non-911 type number, and request the authorities to dispatch, he classified that as a false police report. So he felt like we ultimately were the ones responsible to not have the false police report. And we should fix that and be responsible where we can't control that. We know in our contractual relations that all of us are so similar with our subscribers, homeowners, business owners, require us to do the enhanced call verification and then to proceed to notify the authorities. Okay. Okay. And so uh, just getting back to the industry relations piece, can you give us a sense of what all took place behind the scenes this, you know, these, these past couple few years that you and Holly and others in the industry have been? I'll tell you what, so GELSA, the Georgia Electronic Life Safety and Systems Association, our president, you know, we had worked closely with um, Sandy Springs trying to put a stop to this and it was starting to spread to Brookhaven and we halted that for a while. And as all that got going, really Stan Martin and the SEAC Security Industry Alarm Coalition team really stood in and partnered with ESA and so many large providers across the nation. We had lots of calls, ended up with local lawsuits, um, went through an appeals process, and ultimately we came to a point financially and where our hopes were, we're not getting there. So it really, Rodney, became dormant for let's say the last year, maybe not quite. And then Holly and the ADT team realized the, how vital this is if it spreads and reached out. And she and I had a conversation that she would like to see about coming to Georgia to see about creating a bill. And of course, right away, I'm like, I'm all in. I will clear my schedule to help any way I possibly could. And she uh, started to look to um, a lobbyist firm that they selected. But here's the real success of this. The reason why this got done is that within the industry, when this bill got written and it got assigned to a subcommittee, we were able to reach out to our partners from DMP, Residio, our central station, our distributors from ADI, SDI, Becky Busby. I had some emails go out to help us identify who were the, who were the uh, alarm companies in a specific jurisdictions in Georgia. So on a Sunday, I'm like, wow, Jay Lasseter with IDS over at St. Mary's, Georgia, called Jay on a Sunday, he takes my call and I'm like, do you know Representative Steve Saints? And he goes, yeah, I do his security and we, you know, we monitor him. That story echoed when I talked to Jeff Mims down in Taylorsville, Georgia, where Darlene was the, uh, the chairwoman of the committee for uh, government oversight to be able to deal with that. And Jeff put the call in, he does the security for their home and their business. Wayne Beck with ACOM down in Columbus, Georgia, reached out to him with the rules committee. Then um, ESA partnered with us to be able to send a blast to the Georgia uh, subscriber base, excuse me, the Georgia alarm companies which then they were able to send out to our senators and to our state reps with some content that we kind of helped them with to let them know we need your help. And in many cases, we had other alarm companies that had good relationships with them. When we get over to the Senate side, Billy Griffith became a key one with Ultimate Security in Fayetteville, Georgia. And the gentleman that was the head of that whole committee, uh, uh, Senator Harbin, he does the insurance for Billy. So I was able to get on. We had a meeting with them for a good hour plus. Great conversation. We got that through that committee of his and onto the Senate floor. 
So I cannot say enough to thank our industry partners from manufacturers, central stations, each piece that were able to take that email, share it out, and the dealers that stepped up and said, you know what, fortunately we found the people in each case that knew them, sent the email, made the phone call and informed them as to why this would be beneficial to not have false alarms. And remember, this is just bad business. Why you would assess a fine or fee to any business entity for that of a subscriber or a customer doesn't really make sense. And that's how we kind of carried it also. And I've also been in contact with some other states that are looking at the exact bill. And I'll tell you, if there's ways that we can help, Holly can help, CX, Stan's been involved, Chris over uh, Chris Heaton with ESA, that's been a critical part. We've all got the access and the information to be able to help you get something like this done. Don't wait until your city of Sandy Springs or whatever in your state becomes the thorn in the side and that starts to rile up and it becomes too late. If you can see about getting bills like this passed, because to the state of Georgia, the senators and state reps are just befuddled as to why a local jurisdiction would think it would be a good idea that if I'm driving a car and I get a speeding ticket, you could send it to the, the Ford dealership where I bought my car. So it was a very commonsensical situation. They're like, why is that? So I think that's another part that was successful, whereas you don't have the political fight that you possibly would have if there's a city that's automatically doing it. So encourage some of the other leaders in states to uh, to think about doing that. I know myself and many of us would be happy to help. Well, as I listen to you discuss what went on behind the scenes, it's obviously this effort doesn't go on in a vacuum. It, it, it takes a it, it takes a village, if you will. And so there's some lessons to be learned for the alarm industry then, John, as, as a sort of call to action in, in, in other states. I, I tell you, the big thing is get active within whether it's your state or ESA. You know, get to some of these shows and the offerings that, that you see out there to network with other dealers because we've got to find times to unite. I know we can stay so busy in our businesses, but the value of these associations from whether it's the partnerships, again, with your manufacturer, whoever that is, get beyond just the books and the business and the dollars at the bottom and engage. Because there are times you may have that right key to the relationship that really can save a lot of us from a domino effect of what this could have ultimately led to. Excellent. Um, just real quick, you mentioned Brookhaven. And in recent time, uh, the Brookhaven chief of police had come out and it was reported he was attributing this, this um, buying ordinance that they had adopted from Sandy Springs resulted in more than a 54% reduction in false alarms. He had, again, he attributed that to, to this ordinance. Um, you know, what say you? Yeah, well, let me give you some of the rest of the story and the alarm industry here locally is that, first off, Brookhaven sat on the sideline until the Court of Appeals rejected our claims from the industry and what SEAC uh, and so forth was leading. Once that got rejected, they started moving forward with theirs. And then what happens to alarm companies of many that I could give examples of, there is so much other business in Metro Atlanta area that to be dealt dealing with where I got to go pay fees and fines, why do I want to really work in that community? I had companies come to me saying, I want to give you my subscribers for Brookhaven. I want to give you my subscribers for Sandy Springs. And I'm kind of like, no, thank you. I don't want to take the risk of a $200 fine when they're only paying you $30 a month. So some of that reduction is really in that, and, and even in our subscriber agreements, that people that wanted to still be notified, we changed and modified our agreements with them that they signed and agreed to. We are not going to dispatch. 
unless they're willing to deal with other financial consequences of it all with us that we put in there. So in most cases, we had a lot of folks that we notified of an alarm going off, but we never requested the authorities to dispatch. So for them to be able to say, hey, look at how effective this is, it's really a false sense of security until the bad situations were gonna develop. And then they'd probably go, hmm, maybe we should be right for our citizens. Because at the end of the day, most chiefs certainly in Georgia we've talked to, and I know this is true across the nation, albeit that, that alarm systems can have faults, right? There's no question. But when you go through a community and you see yard sign, yard sign, yard sign, we know that burglars are going to go, okay, no, no, no. And then when they all of a sudden choose a place, if they break in, and guess what? Let's say there was one. Now the police know where there's a perpetrator. And then when they break in a house five down, there's a perpetrator. They have a better chance to catch them. So in our police community, they talk about alarm systems are in something that helps us kind of get an idea of what's going on and notification as to where perpetrators are. They realize there's some false aspect. We don't have alarm ordinances in every jurisdiction whatsoever because it's just not that big enough issue. But I think for all of us, the dialogue is there. We've got to continue to have the talks about technology, our investment, the way we communicate and educate subscribers, following up on false dispatches as to why do we need to fix it as a training opportunity. A lot of that still rests on us. I say many times that, look, I'm a taxpayer before I'm a business owner. My business could be gone tomorrow. I'm still going to be a taxpayer. What's that right balance for us utilizing these resources that, that we want to still partner with so that we can have the benefit that each of our companies and the distributors and monitoring stations get because of what they do for us? And I hope people will think of you know, two things. One is look at the central stations nowadays that are having the text apps. So you can have a group chat that when an alarm goes off, I know it's relatively new in many, but ask your central station provider, what does that look like? And how can I have everybody in that household or business be on the text chat? Because we know people don't always answer the phone anymore. And I think you'll look five and 10 years down the road, more folks are going to be part of the, the text chat aspect to cancel dispatches or whatnot, than they're actually going to be waiting on the phone call, which helps us from a reduction in, in workforce and the amount of operators or technology needed. Uh, but calls can still be made at the, other, the same time. The other is whether it's your team having the accountability to your subscribers and tracking false dispatches to call them, uh, or it's you putting your phone number out there. I've talked to many lately. I'm like, you know, your name's out there, your company's out there, this is your business. You know, wouldn't it be great for you to put your phone number out there and find out if there's a con uh, technology issue, you've got a customer, excuse me, an employee issue or a customer training issue. I would rather know that before they fire us or go to some other provider. So, you know, put yourself out there and maybe get the rest of the story of what's going on. Cause I know you'll get a better bit, you'll have a better customer. You'll have a better business for it. And we're gonna have a better security industry community partnership with our law enforcement. Solid takeaways from a big day in Georgia. John, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. All right, thank you so much, Rodney. And thanks to all the security companies here in Georgia, Holly with uh, ADT, SEAC, ESA, all the partnerships that we're able to put together to get us to uh, a successful day like this. And we're looking forward to the governor's signature here in a matter of days. Uh, thank you so much, sir. Excellent, the story continues. Talk to you later. We appreciate your interest and encourage you to subscribe to Security Sales and Integration and its newsletters. Regularly visit securitysales.com for the latest news and follow SSI on social media.